Hello, valued listener, and welcome to the latest episode of Storytime with Dave. I am your host, Dave. Welcome and thanks for being here. Have you ever heard No Agenda Podcast? You guys got to go listen to No Agenda Podcast. There's, I think, a few that might come up when you search it. The good one has like 1,300 episodes. I think today's episode was 1,322. Amazing podcast. Fantastic. But their intro is so funny. Because he does it like an old school AM radio. You want to talk about AM radio? How about Rush Limbaugh died? I'm going to talk about that in a second. You know, there's a lot to discuss because I do episodes few and far between. And I don't think I've released one in about two weeks or maybe a week and a half. It's probably been about two weeks. I think the last one was with Aaron. Aaron wants to be back on the podcast. I think we might record one later. And then I'll probably release that one. I don't really care. I'll release it tomorrow. It would be smarter to space it out. But the topical nature of my show means that there's really no point in doing that. You might as well just release it. And look, if I release two, then at least you'll have two episodes to listen to in the next two weeks where I don't come out with anything else now. And you know what? Perhaps at a certain point down the line, there will be more frequency with which I release episodes. But to be honest, none of you pay any money for this. You don't give me any money. Maybe I'll make a Patreon, but I'm still at a point where having a Patreon would be kind of silly right now. So... Or maybe it wouldn't be, I don't know, but it seems like it would be. So I'll wait. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, like, you, you know, you get what you pay for. In fact, in this case, you get far more than what you pay for because you pay nothing. And what you receive is quality, high quality. And, uh, you know, we've got updates. I've got a new listener from, from England, I think. It's like a friend of my sister's. I forget his name. It's Gary. Is that you, Gary? I don't know if he's a regular listener. You never really know. It's like someone might listen to an episode and they're like, they, they claim to be a listener. I know people who have listened to every single episode since the beginning. There's a few diehard Storytime fans out there. You know who you are and I appreciate you and I support you. And uh, the new ones, I just hope they uh, become consistent listeners. You don't have to go back and listen to the old ones unless you feel like it. But... When you see that notification pop up, why don't you give it a listen? It's an hour of your time, generally speaking. Sometimes it goes an hour and a half. Sometimes it goes less, like 40 minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expanding. I, I like the idea of having a listener in England. I'd like to get more listeners in England, Great Britain. I feel like those people are more on the same page as me. And I think it is because... Look, as, as annoying as things are here in the United States with regards to the great COVID hoax, you know, the one I'm talking about, the one they keep talking about on the news, um, you know, maybe the virus is real, maybe it's not. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I really don't know. I'm still, I still don't know at this point. I can't make heads or tails of it. It might be real. They haven't isolated it. That appears to be true. At first, I thought that that was just like, you know, because you learn to, when you get into the conspiracy world, you learn to delineate between people who are just running their mouths because you can find out that they're wrong pretty easily. I find that with a lot of the numerology people. They're really obsessed with numbers and they go, oh, well, no, if it's 33, then that's really important. But also if it's 11 or like if it's a nine and a two and it adds up to 11, and they always tell you numbers, but then sometimes you could just Google it. Like, I'll be listening. Maybe it's on Sam Tripoli's podcast, and they're just going off about numbers. And I'll be Googling, and they go, well, and you know what happened on this date? It happened on this day, and that's divisible by 11 to the 10th degree. And then I, I Google it, and it's just not. It's just the wrong date. They didn't even provide the right date. So you go, okay, maybe that's not a trustworthy person. But then there's other people I listen to, and then they say these things, and I go, that can't be true. But then they're right. You look into it more. Like, you know, I mean, look, I'm just saying, maybe it's a real virus. Maybe it's not. I don't know. You know, part of me thinks that it's not a real virus. Or at least that they don't know. 
what it is that they haven't isolated it. <laughs> the science is really sketchy. And when when any if anyone ever says settled science, they're always on the 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 side that is they're always on the mainstream side. They go the science is settled. Listen, buddy. Listen here, buddy boy. The science is settled. They've settled the science. They've already settled this. Why are you asking questions? Why are you doing that? They already settled the science. Why do you keep asking questions that we can't answer? They already settled. They said so. They said they settled the science. Why are you settled? That's usually what they're saying. At least that's what it sounds like to me. It all just becomes that. At a certain point, it all just becomes that. But anyway, if people are saying settled science, look, I'm not a scientist. But there are basics. And the idea of there being settled science on something that's brand new, like hasn't even been in the world for a year or maybe a little more, the idea that there's settled science is just ludicrous and it's silly. But they don't see it that way. They don't get why it's silly because Anthony Fauci said, but Anthony Fauci said, but Anthony Fauci said, but Bill Gates said, look, that's the other thing. Look, I like to have fun sometimes with what I listen to. You could break it into categories. I've discussed this before. You've got fringe conspiracy stuff. It's way out there. You've got more stuff that's just misnomer conspiracy. Like, that's what I call it. Like, it's not supposed to be called a conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? It just gets put under the umbrella. That's when you're dealing with things that are far, far, far more plausible. In a lot of cases, they're more plausible than what the accepted story is. Obviously, I always bring up JFK, but that's because it's the best example. The conspiracy angle... If you study both, what they say happened, the official narrative, and then the conspiracy, crazy conspiracy theorist narrative, if you look at them both side by side and you actually learn about it, because that's what I realized like when I was younger and I was just like, I ate up whatever they fed me. Whatever you say, I don't ask questions. Whatever they said in school, you know, that's fine. I believe that. So in school, they told me there was no conspiracy that it was Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a lone, a lone wolf shooter. And then I read several books on the subject. And you know what? Once you look into it a bit, what you realize is that the conspiracy theory one is way more plausible. And because, I mean, it wouldn't even be just a conspiracy one. It's not a theory. The conspiracy angle is way more plausible than the. Think about this. I mean, I've said it so many times before. The accepted, it's a magic bullet. That's what's accepted. That's the, that's the story, you know? And no one finds that silly. That's crazy. So you're not crazy if you think there was a magical bullet, right? So I'm crazy. Here's why I'm crazy. Because JFK pissed off the CIA and said he was going to splinter them into a thousand pieces. He pissed off the military-industrial complex by avoiding war with Russia, nuclear war, and then not committing to a war with Vietnam, and and the Cuban Missile Crisis, and uh, the Bay of Pigs, and not providing air support during the Bay of Pigs, so he pissed off the military people, and, you know, like, supporting uh, sovereignty of nations with their own oil and being able to nationalize oil. So he pissed off the big oil people. It goes on. He made so many enemies. And the idea that they wanted to get rid of him, that's crazy. There's so much evidence, but that is insane. That makes me a crazy person. But if I was smart, if I was a sane, rational person, I would think that there was a magical bullet that killed him. You understand? A, a lone shooter, not even a trained sniper, a lone shooter shot him and then a magical bullet magically killed him. Crazy. So, you know, this is what we're dealing with. But 
All of that is to say that obviously there are different degrees of conspiracy theory. There are different degrees. Okay. So if you say, <clears throat> and sometimes it takes a while, that's the other problem, but that's the interesting thing about what's going on now is it's taking less and less time. Like for it to become more widely accepted, let's take, you have to take the emotion away from it. Like people weren't willing to, if it was, you know, 2002 and we're still in the midst of the fallout of 9-11, emotions are running high. People are not going to be willing to acknowledge that perhaps things were not what they appeared to be. And it's only maybe after 10 years, maybe not even 10, maybe five years, six years, seven years, that people's emotions that were, that were you know, at a boiling point, people kind of calm down. They're able to look at the situation a little more rationally. And then they're able to see discrepancies, things that cannot be explained, like Tower 7. Things that you just cannot explain rationally. And you start to ask questions. But usually that doesn't happen immediately. What's different about now, and maybe this is a product of the internet, but I guess that would have applied a while ago, right? But maybe it's just right now everything has aligned in such a way that people are getting, you know, these things, the turnover is quicker. The turnover is quicker. So if you were saying like, yo, this vaccine is sketchy, if you were saying that before they released the vaccine, even a few months ago, it was way crazier than now. And yo, shout out to black people. I love their inherent mistrust of the government because of all the ways that the United States government has fucked over black people for hundreds of years. And so they just have this built in distrust of the government, this skepticism, which I view as very healthy. And I think they'll be able to probably, I mean, hopefully a lot of them won't get the vaccine and they shouldn't and neither should you. But now I'm probably, they're going to take this off Apple podcasts or whatever. But I think this is too, my podcast is too insignificant to be removed. So, but anyway, like a few months ago, if you said, don't get the vaccine, it's weird. It's not even a real vaccine. It's not even an actual vaccine. Then you sounded more crazy. And then now it's like people, I mean, look, you know, it's like. People are accepting that. There's a lot of people who don't, who feel very uncomfortable about this vaccine, which isn't a vaccine. And even if you look at, you can go on Pfizer's website or Moderna's website and they say themselves that it's not a vaccine. It's gene therapy and it's odd. And they really don't know. You know, you can't because they can't know. They can tell you all that, oh, it'll be fine. What is there to worry about long-term side effects, please? There's been long-term side effects with every vaccine. You don't even have to be an anti-vaxxer, but you know that's true. Luckily, it's not that many people. I mean, I think it's probably all of us became a little more autistic when we got that shot. Because I look around at all the people I know and I go, how can you be this autistic for crying out loud? You know, I've got that Ashkenazi blood in me, so I think they canceled out. I think the Ashkenazi blood raised my IQ. You know, Ashkenazi Jews in general have a higher IQ on average. And then the vaccines that I was given lowered my IQ, which just leveled me out. They canceled each other out. So I was able to still maintain a somewhat respectable IQ level. It's not great, but it's pretty good. And I just know all these people and you just see them on the internet. They're always on the internet, but even in person you see them. And you know, you can't speak to them. I love to have a nice lively debate. I love having a conversation with someone that I disagree with, but these people really can't stomach it. And so you know immediately, like when you go, when you say to someone, you go, uh, you know, these masks, right? They can't make up their minds. And then the person goes, oh yes, I know. Well, it's very important that the mask fits properly. And so that's why you should wear one mask. It should be an N95 mask. And then on top of that, you should wear a cloth mask. And on top of that, you should put duct tape over your face. Duct tape, duct tape, duct tape. Do not allow any creases or crevices where air and, and virus can escape. Do not, do not. You know, and then you go, okay, I can't talk to this person. You go, all right, that's fine. You, go, you just go, okay. You go, whoa, 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 you're right. This is uh, the deadliest virus of an era. 
maybe the deadliest virus of all time. I'm, I'll wear 11 masks if it makes you feel any better. But you're not going to speak to that person honestly and openly. You know, so um, I don't know. We're off to a hot start right now. I feel really good about this episode already. I feel like this is why I spaced them apart. This is why I spaced them apart. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm glad to have... Oh, wait, what was I going to say about the conspiracy in the fringe? Oh, yeah, one thing I was going to say is that sometimes just for fun, I like to listen to the crazy conspiracy theorists, the numerology people, the people who talk about religion. They're all about religion usually when you get to the more wild ones. But one guy that I was listening to, I forget what his name. His name is like Prophet Jeff or something like that. It's kind of funny. Hang on, I just gotta, I gotta run over my computer right now. I just got an email. I heard an email. Let's see, is this something important? Um, no, it's it's nothing important, which is great. And right now it's Friday and it's four twelve, and uh, things are good. So anyway, <clears throat> anyway, let's continue. Prophet Jeff or whatever this guy's name is. And he's talking about how Bill Gates is actually the devil reincarnated. Like, it, that's actually the devil. Not hyperbole either. This is a religious man. And he thinks that Bill Gates is actually the devil. And that's the first time that one of them really got me. Because I heard that and I went, God damn, this guy, he's onto something. I really, really, really do think, and I'm not joking, and I'm not engaging in hyperbole, that Bill Gates is the devil, actually, himself, the devil. And it's crazy that the devil would be so nerdy, but is it? Sorry, I, I should really just settle down. I'm walking around. I'm picking up garbage and throwing it. What, focus, Dave. But sometimes it helps you focus when you just, you know, move a little bit. Anyway, yeah, I think, look, I'm not saying I know for certain that Bill Gates is the actual devil. I'm saying it's very likely. That's all. Look at his behavior. He just goes around India chemically castrating women. You know, he hates brown people, but the devil would. The devil would hate brown people. And, you know, I mean, he hates us all. And he wants us all to die. Um, but, you know, that's Bill. And it's okay. But you got to identify. You got to know your enemy. You got to know. And just the knowledge that bill is the devil is a little bit comforting just to be able to know that the devil has revealed himself and he's chosen a vessel that you wouldn't necessarily expect but wouldn't you expect that right the devil is shifty deceptive manipulative similar to a jew just kidding no but i'm not but you know you know how they are and you know how he is and he would be deceptive so he wouldn't be some big, scary, hulking giant. He would be Bill Gates, some guy with glasses and dead eyes. Look at Bill Gates' eyes. And why does he always laugh? Why does he always chuckle? You know? Oh, well, like he's getting interviewed and they're like, we didn't seem so prepared for this, for this virus. And he goes, oh, well... <laughs> Well, maybe they'll be prepared for the next one. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got this weird, like, it's like he's getting off. If you see him on interviews, just notice his laugh and when he laughs. And if you try to think of why he's laughing, it's really hard to tell why he's laughing. It seems like he's getting off, you know, like on national TV, like him and his wife, who might also be a dude similar to Michelle Obama. Anyway, um, my dad told me he listens to the podcast, so if you're listening, Dad, what's up, man? I mean, you, I got to tell you, um, no one in the family likes my podcast, so I'm glad you do, because he said he liked my podcast. And, uh, you know, so it's you and Rach. That's it. Don't show Mom my podcast. She wouldn't like it. You know, I know that um, Mark used to listen. He might still listen. Jared used to listen. Maybe he still does, but I don't think they do anymore. I don't think they like it very much, but I understand why they don't. But it's still a comedy podcast, so anything I say, I could just say I was joking later. That's why you make a comedy podcast, folks. Plausible deniability. Anything I say, do I mean it? Yes. But what if I don't? Who knows? 
Is that deceptive? Yes. Am I still Jewish at the end of the day? Yes. So, is that unethical? Yes. Do I care if something's unethical? Obviously not. That's like a thing Chris D'Elia used to do. He would keep asking rhetorical questions and then answering them. I guess those aren't rhetorical questions, but just answer, like a repeatedly ask a yes or no question. Like, is it this, this, this? Yes. Is it this, this, this? Yes. Is it this, this, this? Yes. Is it this, this, this? No. You know, he would do that all the time, but now he's canceled. And it seems like that cancellation is going to last forever. I don't know what was different about his. I don't know what was definitively different about his, or maybe it's just the way he's handling it, but he hasn't made a podcast in like seven months. So whatever, it's up for grabs, and now I'm going to do it. I'm stealing it. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, my dad listens. I got listeners in Britain now, right? What am I saying that? I need more because, like I was saying, things aren't that bad in the United States. They're not that bad. I mean, shit's gay. Don't get it twisted, except for in Florida and Texas, but everywhere else it's just, it's lame. It's stupid. It's, it's really stupid. It's pretty retarded. It's pretty vaccinated. And uh, we haven't even gotten the vaccine yet. Just imagine how much worse things are going to get when we get the fake vaccine, when we get the gene therapy. But can you even call it therapy? Cause it doesn't do anything. It doesn't work. It's crazy. They played a clip from No Agenda where Jake Tapper was like, amazingly, they're finding that this vaccine might actually stop the spread of the virus. And you're just thinking, like, isn't that what a vaccine does? Why is that remarkable? I thought that was vaccine. Why would you get? Why else would you do that? Why else would you do a vaccine? Because everything changed, like all the rules changed. Like if you said, well, no, I mean, a big reason to do the vaccine is so that you wouldn't get the virus as bad. But that was never a thing. You don't get vaccinated for smallpox, so you get less bad smallpox. You do so you don't get smallpox. <coughs> it was never a thing. Well, this vaccine... It'll at least lessen the symptoms. I mean, it probably like you'll probably still get measles, but it won't be bad measles. That's never been a thing. It's always been like, no, you're inoculated. You won't get this virus because you've been vaccinated for it. You'll get autism. Yes, but you won't get this virus. So, you know, you won't get polio, but you'll get lower grades. You won't get measles. But you will believe anything the government tells you. You know, so you take the good with the bad. And look, I got them. And like I said, I think that only saving grace was the Ashkenazi blood. Because otherwise, I'd be like you guys. And I would just believe anything that the government tells me. But you guys are better. I mean, look, if my dad's going to continue to let, My dad's one of those guys. And it's okay. He can't teach your old dog new tricks. Right, folks? I mean, it's just not so easy. It's not so easy. They're a little more stubborn. They've been on the earth for too long to accept new ideas that the reality that they've believed in for so long may be flawed. So it's hard to get through to them. But most of my listenership, younger people, open-minded. You know what is funny about the word open-minded? The people who are actually open-minded never say that they're open-minded. Like you never, like an open-minded person they're not the ones going around like, oh, I'm so open-minded. I'm so open-minded. It's just crazy. Like, my mind is so open. But the people who are self-described open-minded are usually, and also the self-described compassionate people. It's the same people. I'm really open-minded, but the only thing I'm more than open-minded is that I'm really compassionate. And I'm just super compassionate. But I'm also open-minded, but mostly I'm compassionate, but I'm also open-minded. And those people are very close-minded. Have you noticed that? You can't even, you can't even, you can't even suggest something to them that's contrary to what they think. You cannot even suggest something that's at all controversial or, or outside the norm. 
they are very close-minded. They just say they're open-minded. They say they're compassionate, which brings me back to Rush Limbaugh, or however you say his name. I made a status. This is the other thing, too. Like, you say something, and then people think... Oh, it's so frustrating. I never, ever listened to Rush Limbaugh in my life. I never listened to him, ever. And not even for a minute. Like, I know what his voice sounded like. But I never listened to him. So I don't know. I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's a white supremacist. He was a Nazi. He was anti-Semite. I don't know. That's the other thing my dad said because he was listening to one of my podcasts and he texted me. This is like, if you like my podcast and you want to live text me while you're listening to it, that's fine. If you want to text me and be like, dude, that was so funny when you said such and such, then please do. But if you want to live text me and be like, um, actually, that's not factually correct. Um, oh, you said this because no, that's actually not true. Then don't. My cousin used to do that. He doesn't listen to the podcast anymore, I don't think, because he stopped doing that. I assume it's because he's not listening anymore. But that that just is annoying. Don't do that. If it's a nice thing, if you want to say, I really like what you said here, you made a really good point, then by all means, feel free. You know, don't text me with updates of things that you're as you disagree because you're so heavily vaccinated. Don't put that vaccine on me. Don't put that on me. Anyway, and then my dad said, because he, he, he did that, but he's fine. Let me tell you something about a father. If you ever want to have a better relationship with your father, just move out. It's like the best thing you could possibly do for your relationship with your with your pops. Like me and my dad get along better now than ever before. All I had to do was move out of the house. We're like best buds now. It's the best. Love you, dad. You're my boy. Okay, but anyway, but my dad texted me and he said something about Ron Paul. Because I said something about Ron Paul. Look, I love Ron Paul like a grandpa. He's adorable, and he actually has integrity. And he always was consistent when he was in government. And who cares if he had some crazy ideas? Everyone, you know, AOC wants to murder all the cows because they fart. Everyone's got stupid ideas in government. You know, you like those people too. Ted Cruz has some fucking stupid, retarded-ass ideas. Every Republican has retarded ideas. Every Democrat has retarded ideas. They all do. But maybe the the ones, the ideas that you like, you like those and it weighs, it outweighs the stupid ideas. Okay, so that's first of all. You know, you're talking about politicians. So you're not going to get any, like, you know, it's not going to be good. It's never going to be good. It's just going to be acceptable or adequate. It's never going to be good. If you think it's good, then you don't know how much you're being duped. Like, if you look at a politician and you, oh, that Elizabeth Warren, oh, she's the best. She is just something. She's spectacular. Then you're being duped. You're being duped. You're being tricked. You know, any of them. The longer they've been there, too, the longer they've been there, the more you're being duped. Like, if you actually think Mitch McConnell is good, then you, 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 I, again, I will just bring it back to the vaccine. Then you must've got 18 doses of the measles vaccine, bro. They must've doubled you up. Talking about Nancy Pelosi is good for the country. You got 87 shots. Then you got 87 shots on the same day. You know, I don't know how else to explain it. Okay. But occasionally there will be politicians who at least have some semblance of integrity or consistency. I even got to give it to Bernie. I mean, Bernie is weak. He is very weak because he folded. He had an opportunity to maybe be president of the United States or to just shake things up and push things in a direction that he wanted them to go in. And he, he proved that he's a coward and a fraud. But all that said, he's been consistent and he has some integrity, you could tell. And I don't like his ideas really very much. Some of them I do, some of them I don't. But Ron Paul's the same way. And <laughs> the problem with my dad's criticism of Ron Paul, because you can criticize his ideas all you want, it's fine. But he called him an anti-Semite. He said Ron Paul's an anti-Semite. 
That's the problem. Because what people fail to realize is a lot of the times Jews fail to realize that anti-Semite is the most frequently misused word in in the, the world. Maybe besides like, no, it really is. I was going to say maybe racist. That's misused a lot. Maybe um, science. Settled science, right? We went over that. There's a lot of words that are misused. And anti-Semite or anti-Semitism is, a, is used by Jewish people, or anyone really, but especially by Jewish people, to discredit and ad hominem attack someone who has ideas that are contrary to the wishes of Jewish people. That's all that is. So if you have a criticism of Israel, like I think that Israel is the most hypocritical country maybe ever. In the history of nation states, since the Westphalia Treaty or whatever that was called in like the 1650s when they established nation states, I know that I'm off on all of that, but I know it was about the 1650s and that's when nation states, the idea of the modern nation state started then. There has never been a more hypocritical nation state than Israel, maybe the United States, maybe, but it's, it's like, you want to talk about Israel. They are a nation that was established as basically reparations for the Holocaust, right? So the Holocaust happened, quotation, air quotes, the Holocaust happened, air quotes, and, um, they gave them and we said, we're sorry, here's a nation state. And then what is the first thing they do is they just like embark on this decades long, slow, methodical genocide of Palestinians. You know, you can call it a genocide or just a series of massacres. And the United States has been complicit in this, same with Britain and several other countries, really. And, you know, they've just... They, it's the height of hypocrisy when you are a country that was formed on the idea of reparations for an atrocity that you underwent for you to then go and commit atrocity after atrocity and then basically victim blame. They blame, they always blame the Palestinians. And yes, Hamas is not good leadership. Certainly not. But to put it like to, to act like it's it's justified based on that is just insane. It's hilarious, though. And I, I recently realized this, and I did this on stage. This is like a new joke that I have. It's one of my favorite jokes. But it's based on this idea that I could not believe. One day, I was sitting in this very room, the living room of my home, and I was thinking to myself, I was thinking about, I was reading a book about the Bosnian genocide, right? Which was like a civil war. It was like the Muslims, like the Bosnian Muslims, right? And the Serbs, there were a bunch of different groups at war in that region of the world. And several atrocities, large-scale atrocities took place over several years. Mostly, the Serbs were at fault the most, but the Muslims also would get back at them. But really, if you were going to look at one side as being more of a victim, you'd have to say the Muslims were more of a victim. But anyway, I was thinking about other genocides, such as the Armenian genocide, which Turkey, it was like uh, they had to, re it was during World War I, I think it was 1915, and they relocated all these Armenians, so they say. And, you know, it just so happens that over a million Armenians died during this forced relocation, right? And it's very disputed because Turkey vehemently, did I say that word right? Vehemently, is that how you say it? They seriously super deny it, okay? They super deny that it happened. I think even if you went to Turkey and you acknowledge the Armenian genocide, you probably get in trouble with the government. And so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. <laughs> Israel's in the Middle East. I wonder if Israel acknowledges the Armenian genocide. And would you believe it? They don't. 
And I found that hilarious. That's why it's a new joke in my act. I hate calling it my act because I just, I don't have an act. I just do new jokes all the time. But anyway, it's so funny though. Like, you see why that's funny, right? That's funny. Israel, the state of Israel, established in an act of reparation as a result of a historic atrocity, denies that Israel is a Holocaust denier. Do you understand that? As a nation, not the Holocaust, but a different one. Israel denies a genocide, a genocide in which a million as many as maybe 2 million Armenians died. This was a real-ass genocide. This was fucked up. It was bad. And Israel denies that it happened. And you understand how funny that is. So then if I want to criticize Israel, I'm now an anti-Semite. You see how it works? You see how it works? That's what they do. The word anti-Semite is a tool used to discredit and ad hominem attack people who have arguments that cannot be answered. Israel cannot justify its dismissal of the Armenian genocide. It cannot justify that by any means. That makes them the most hypocritical country I can possibly imagine, and that makes me an anti-Semite. You see? Is that making sense now? So that's why I never accept anti-Semite Unless I look into it myself, you can't do it. What you'll find is that 90% of the time, it's complete bullshit. It's just that that person had some choice words about Israel and the way that they conduct themselves. But that's all. Almost almost every time, that person's not a real... Sure, there are real anti-Semites, yes. You can find them. They talk about killing the rest of the Jews and stuff. I say that sometimes as a joke. But these people are very serious. They make me uncomfortable. They're very kind of scary. They're covered in tattoos. Usually there are tattoos on their face. They've usually been to jail. And they're in in the like um, Aryan Brotherhood or whatever. Yes. Anti-Semites exist. Okay. No one's saying they don't. But. I mean it's just. It's so transparent and obvious. That it's just used as a smear tactic. And they've been doing this forever. So they've been doing that before the Holocaust happened. They've been doing that for a long ass time, okay? So don't buy it. I don't like that, you know? Okay, Dad? Okay, Dad? I know we're buddies now, but you can't do that. You can't call out my boy Ron like that, call him an anti-Semite, completely baseless claim. If you want to say he knows nothing about economics and he's retarded, that's fine. But you can't call him an anti-Semite. It's just wrong. It's wrong, you see. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you it's wrong. Because <laughs> that's the other thing I was thinking about. I was thinking about, like, you know, I talk about the the Federal Reserve and how messed up all of that is and, like, our whole banking system and our whole economy. And I was thinking, like, you know, we need a... We need to do something. It's like Ron Paul thinks we should go on the on the gold standard and people think that. But I've realized that that's also retarded. Like, it's all stupid. What I've realized is this. Our economy is just made up. It's all like fantasy. We have a fantasy economy. We just print money out of thin air. Debt builds up, but it doesn't mean anything. And, but, and then there's just periodic crashes. And then when the economy crashes, we just print more money. And we just bail things out. And we just continue, and we carry on. And you know what? I got to say, that's fine. Just leave it then. Whatever. You know, there is no, there's no solution to it. The solution is to just continue what we've been doing. And if it crashes, it crashes. If someday the U.S. dollar is no longer, well, they're not, if, <coughs> if someday the U.S. dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency and it throws the U- U.S., it really fucks up the United States, then so be it. But you know what? That's probably not going to happen for a long time. And for now, we're better off just living in fantasy economy land. And I support it. And I think it's fine. I say print the money. Go ahead. Who the fuck cares, dude? We're here, right? 
we're out here. Things look fine. I look out. I see a winter wonderland here in Hoboken. It's beautiful. Whatever. It's fine. I've got a, I've got a big TV right here. I've got a nice recorder in my hand. I've got food in the refrigerator, in the pantries. It's fine. This made-up money works for me. I've got a big full bookshelf, a beautiful bookshelf, full of books, dozens and dozens of fantastic books. So whatever. We're going to just keep it this way, okay? We're going to just keep going with the fantasy economy. It's fine. That's what I got to say. All right, so I keep digressing, but you know that I do that all the time. I always digress. I think I was going to mention, I know that we're going to talk about Rush and how he died and the reactions to his death, which I found hilarious. I love what's going on in the world. It's a funny story after a funny story. I know we're in a fallen state. I know that we're a depraved society. I I know all of that, but it's funny and it's allowed to be, and I'm allowed to, to notice that it's funny. So anyway, I do like that I have British listeners now. Gary, you got to tell your friends, man. The, the Brits will love me. You know this, Gary. The Brits will love me. I'm so on the same page because the Brits, at least, <clears throat> there's way more resistance in Europe. And a lot of the reason is because there's way more restrictions in Europe. Like there's more restrictions in England, way more restrictions in England and Ireland than there are in in uh, really any state in the United States. Some states are worse than others. New Jersey hasn't been that bad. New York City for a while was really bad. I mean, we just, because I go into New York City just once a week for work, but we weren't allowed to dine inside. You know, last week we were eating outside. It was like seven degrees and windy. We were eating outside under a heat lamp that doesn't work. And we just this week started being allowed to eat inside in New York City again. But New Jersey has been open the whole time, which has been nice. But I think that as the frustration builds, as the restrictions grow, as there's more and more restrictions that seem more and more dumb, or dumber and dumber. Isn't it funny? Isn't it ironic to, to use, to screw up grammar when you're saying the word? Anyway, then people become more open-minded, literally open-minded, not the kind where you talk about how open-minded you are and then snap at people and try to get them fired when they say something you don't like. You're like, I'm so open-minded. What did you say? I'm telling your boss. You know what I mean? Those people, those are the quote-unquote open-minded people. I'm talking about the real open-minded people who, as frustration builds, as you become more and more frustrated with rules that seem to make less and less sense, you become, you ask more questions. That's all it is. You go, why, what what is this about? You go, what what is going on here? You start looking around, looking at other people like, do you get this? Do you know why they're doing this? This doesn't seem to make sense. Does this make sense to you? Does this make sense to you? This doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain this? I don't think I can explain it. So that's what happens. So that's why I need more Brits. I need more Canadians. You know, Canada, it's crazy. I mean, they, they, again, you want to talk about quick turnaround on conspiracy theories like never before? How about the fact that in Canada, and who knows if it's going to go, if it's going to go through? If it's going to become law. But they've already started enforcing it. It's going to be challenged in the courts. But Justin Trudeau, who is. He's one of these people like he's. There are certain leaders that you look at and you go, that person was installed. That person wasn't elected. They were installed. You understand? You can look at someone. I'm not saying that every like democratically elected leader in the world wasn't actually democratically elected. I mean, a lot of them aren't. But there's certain ones where you just look at them and you go, no, 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 no. That was, that was a known thing. There was no question about it. This person was installed for a purpose by very powerful people to play a role and be a puppet. Ju- there is hardly 
any more obvious puppet in the world, any leader of any nation, hang on, than Justin Trudeau. We'll talk. We'll continue in a sec. Anyway, okay, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up pretty soon. That is the bathroom. Um, okay. Trudeau is, you know, I'll float a conspiracy out here. This is just my own. I have no evidence for it. He might be a robot. I don't even know if he's an actual human being. I don't know if blood pumps through his veins. I think there might be a motherboard. You know, I don't even know if he has organs. I think he might be a robot. If you ever watch him speak, I've never heard someone less convincing. I mean, yes, I have. But it's just, it's just like he might win the unconvincing award you know i mean there are less convincing people nancy pelosi is very unconvincing you can just tell that it's these people i actually feel bad for these people like nancy pelosi hasn't said what she actually thinks for probably 30 years mitch mcconnell has not said what he actually thinks for 30 years justin trudeau cannot say what he actually thinks he is not for years he is a, a robot for all intents and purposes. He doesn't, maybe he does have blood. Maybe he does have organs, but he's a robot nonetheless. He probably already got the, he's probably already got the Neuralink. It seems like he's got the Neuralink and he's being controlled by Elon Musk. Elon Musk is just like at home having fun, like playing, it's like a video game, playing the Justin Trudeau game. But anyway, because Trudeau in Canada, you talk about a quick turnaround on conspiracy theories. For traveling people, I don't even know if it's within the country or just citizens returning home or people going on vacation, but they have very strict. I don't even know if you can go on vacation in Canada right now. Anyway, <laughs> for people, um, let's say for at least for people coming home, because I don't know if it's intra traveling, like within the country or if it's only coming home from other countries. If you're a citizen of Canada coming home, you have to get a test, mandatory, get a COVID test. And if the test is negative, if the test is negative and you have no symptoms, you still have to quarantine at a hotel for three days at your own expense, which could cost as much as $2,000 is what Trudeau said. He said, expect that to cost $2,000 out of your own pocket, returning home, Returning home as a Canadian citizen, $2,000 out of your own pocket for not being sick and getting a negative test. And you want to know what happens if you have a positive test? Government facility for two weeks. Okay? That's not a made-up thing. He said it. Look it up. There's a video of him making this announcement. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, obviously, it's being challenged in the courts. So we'll see what becomes of it. But for right now, they were already enforcing it on several people had told stories about how this had happened to them. So it's crazy, man. I mean, you want to talk about a quick turnaround in conspiracy theory. That was crazy. Like a month ago, maybe two months ago, that was crazy. People talking about FEMA camps. They're going to have FEMA camps. They're going to have FEMA camps. They're going to take you out of your house because you got a positive test, and they're going to put you in a fucking camp, a government facility. Well, there it is. It's in Canada. It's real. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's really crazy. But, you know, I mean, predictable, obviously, because there were a lot of people predicting that kind of thing, but you didn't think they'd actually do it. But that's why you need a guy like Justin Trudeau. And that's why you need a population like the Canadians, who it's sad to see what's become of them. They are a nation of cucks, but so are we. And we just have holdouts. We have final, we are a nation mostly of cucks, but luckily... There are a few bright spots still left in this nation with people who are actually resistant to this tyranny. But it is, it is very, it's way less than you'd want it to be. It's way less than you'd want it to be. There should be a lot more. But that's why I like my Brits, because it seems like there's, a lot, there's that fighting spirit of freedom. I see it with the Brits a lot. And it's still there with them. You know, and they're looking, they look to us and, and I'm sure they're disappointed as well. I'm inspired by the Brits and the Germans even. They have these big demonstrations with a million people, anti-lockdown. I think they did it in Poland. 
They, you know, there's been some in Norway, I think, in a lot of European places, maybe Austria, right? It's hard to even keep up, but obviously they're not going to put that on the news. You'd have to find it for yourself. That was a few months ago. They had a million people in Germany. It might not have been a million, but it was several hundred thousand people gathering to protest the march. Not a peep from the American news media. No way. No siree. So, I need more British listeners is what I'm trying to say. And the Canadians who aren't cucks would also love this podcast. But how do you get a podcast over to the Canadians? I don't know. But maybe they'll find me. I hope they do. But it's probably going to be really hard to because they're going to start cracking down on this stuff harder and harder. You know, and the New York Times facilitates that. The worst publication in the United States of America is the New York Times. And they've gotten worse and worse every single day. They don't even take a week now. Like on, on Thursday, they're worse than they were on Tuesday. And today's Friday. They're probably worse today. I mean, they are the worst. They've always facilitated bad things. The war on terror facilitated. Every war we've ever, ever taken place in. The New York Times has warmongered for with unnamed sources. That's always been the case. And especially, it was especially abhorrent with the war on terror. But it's always been horrible. And they're, they're just, I mean, you know, you look at Operation Mockingbird and you look at probably what their main target was, was the New York Times. And you just think of what a sensational job the CIA was able to do with a once respected publication. Amazing. But, you know, you start to see these articles like there was one about Clubhouse. Clubhouse is this new app. It's like an all audio app. And someone will open a room like with a title or ask a question like Tim Dillon. Someone posted one like recorded one of Tim's Clubhouse rooms like they just recorded on their phone, put it on YouTube. And the room was like Tim Dillon's a comedian, by the way. Most of you know that. But the room was called like, should women own Bitcoin? Should women be allowed to legally own Bitcoin? That was like the room's name. Like, obviously, it's a joke. But then he's just being like being a character. And he's like, well, I think to protect them, we should not allow them to own Bitcoin. Right. It's so complicated and women couldn't possibly understand all of that. Just making jokes. But then he'll open that room and then you can join the room. And if you'd like to participate and talk with Tim, he can invite you to be a speaker. So you could click a button and you raise your hand kind of. So you're like, I want to say something. And then the, the person whose room it is can select you and you can join the conversation. That's how the app works. And the New York Times wrote an article that was like, unfettered conversation on clubhouse unfettered conversations on clubhouse raising uh concerns you know they're like there's probably a lot of white supremacy going on in there like that it's the i mean it was like it's it's pathetic it is so pathetic it's this uh, woman taylor lorenz who's one of the worst journalists that there's ever been and um <clears throat> but that's the kind of people who work at the new york times now it's just really sad but, you know, that's how they facilitate all this stuff. They are, uh, they're really pathetic. It just makes you sad. You're like, what, what happened to you? It's like, I don't know. It's like watching someone go woke. Someone you used to have fun with. It's like someone you used to have fun with. And then all of a sudden they're like, are you really making burritos for dinner? Do you even realize how offensive that is to Hispanics? You're really going to make burritos? They're not even authentic. And you think, like, we used to have fun, man. What happened to that guy? I miss that guy. Now, we're almost done here, but let's get to Rush because, see, I, keep, I kept digressing, but I, I promised you we would get there. I didn't even have to. You knew we would get there. You knew we'd get there. Now, let's talk about Rush Limbaugh, a legend, whether you like it or not, a talk show legend has passed away and what I found so funny like I said never listen to the guy really was unaffected by this I didn't really I didn't really care I said oh well okay that that kind of sucks you know whatever 
rest in peace, Rush. The amount of people who were celebrating his death but claimed to be compassionate was astounding and hilarious. I have never seen compassionate people celebrate death more than these past few years. And Rush was just a perfect example. Rush died and all of these compassionate people. I just care so much about people. I just care so much. People are dying. 470,000 people died. And you think it's I can't believe you. I just, uh, these people are so compassionate. Rush Limbaugh died. Good. Rest in peace, you fucking piece of shit. I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> That's how they are, dude. It's crazy. It's so funny. They're like, I'm so compassionate. Rush Limbaugh died. What a fucking piece of shit. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. I love it. It never fails. You know, it's like as soon as you see the news, oh, that guy died. Oh, a right wing guy died. Like when Tucker Carlson dies, it's going to be, it's going to just be a shit show. Every single compassionate person is going to be doing victory laps over Tucker Carlson's grave. They're going to be dancing on his grave, talking about how much they care about people. It's so funny. And that's the point. I shared a status on Facebook where I said, um, I said, uh, it's just amazing to see so many compassionate people celebrating the death of their political enemy. And <laughs> first of all, one, one dude, Garrett, who like blocked me, he's a, he's a comedian. I mean, it's he, calling him a comedian would be a stretch. I think you have to make people laugh to be a comedian. You can't just call yourself a comedian, but Someone who thinks he's a comedian, this guy, he's like, he goes, and he, he, I don't know. I think he thinks he's compassionate. He might. I don't know. And he commented and he's like, I, yeah, I can't wait till you croak so I could celebrate. He used the word croak, but he's kind of a faggot. But then he blocked me, which was also a faggoty move, but whatever. I don't know. It, I think it's, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. But the other thing is my cousin commented and and he said this, and I'm sure a lot of people share this same sentiment when they see me post something like this. I don't want to just single him out. But he said, um, oh, like, oh, I'm sorry, like, you, I'm sorry, you know, like, your hero Rush died. Like, I'm really sorry that you're dealing with that. I'm like, dude, that's not the point. That's the thing. It's like, you missed the point then. Because like I said, I never listened to him. I was not a Rush Limbaugh fan. I never listened to him. Not once. Not for a minute. <laughs> the point is what I've been saying all along. There are people, they say they're compassionate. They say, oh, we need Medicare for all. We need to get the kids out of the cages. We need this. We need that. Not that I disagree with that stuff at all. But they're the ones who go on and on about how compassionate they are, about how much they care, about how good they are, about how they're good people. They're really good people. We're really good people. I don't understand why these monsters like Donald Trump have to say such mean things. I'm so compassionate. These people think they're really good, nice, kind, kindness. They're like, the most important thing is kind. Oh, Rush Limbaugh died? Good, that fucking fat faggot. You know what I'm saying? Same person. I think that what's most important in life, if I'm being honest, it's just about being kind being great. Rush Limbaugh died. Burn in hell. Burn in hell, Rush. What was I saying? Yeah. And just anyway, just being kind. Like that is what's important. That's what's most important to me is being kind and dancing on Rush Limbaugh's grave. I think that what's most important is um, kindness, compassion, um, celebrating the death of political enemies, um, friendship. So that's it, folks. Look, we've been at this for an hour. I think that was a baller-ass episode. That was so good. They get better and better. Our operation is expanding. Like I said, we're overseas now. We're in, we're in England. Gary, get me out to the people. I don't even know if you're in England. I just know you're across the pond. 
Is that what they say? Across the pond? Anyway, listen, we're, we're worldwide now. Um, things are moving fast. I don't know. Before you know it, I'll probably um, be on, you know, I don't know. I'll probably be on a billboard or something. But it won't be good. It'll be a gigantic billboard and it says, Well-known anti-Semite Dave Namery hopes to expand his podcast empire. Let's make it stop. You know, it'll be something like that. Anyway, thank you for listening, and I love you so much, and I hope you have the best day. Okay? Bye.